0: I'm Jamie Nye. This is the Green Zone on a Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. Still to come a little bit later on, we'll get to know the new head coach of the Saskatchewan Rattlers of the CEBL. They announced last week Larry Abney will be the new head coach. And when you talk about he's been everywhere, he's pretty well been everywhere in his basketball career as a player. Played in nine different countries. Korea, Chile, Ukraine. France, Argentina. We'll talk about his journey and including his work with Doc Rivers with the L.A. Clippers as an NBA development coach, coached in the G League as well. And now we'll be coming to Saskatoon and Saskatchewan. But right now, let's get to know Jermarcus Hardrick a little better. The new offensive lineman for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders signed last week in free agency as he leaves behind... The Winnipeg Blue Bombers who have gone to four straight gray cups to join Saskatchewan who has met the playoffs the last two years. So Jamarcus, I'm just gonna lead with the obvious. Why leave Winnipeg to come back to Saskatchewan? Well,
1: it was a couple of things that played in it. I was I was I was kind of looking for market value or to see what my market was. I've never really tested the market. I was always kind of selfish to my wife until I was comfortable there. And she kind of always wanted me to test it. And we kind of end up testing it and some things fell in our, in our order. And I wasn't looking for a new, new challenge or a new direction or a new motivation. But after talking to Mace and talking to my wife, it sounds like something I want to be a part of. I started my uh, career in 2014 with BC, but in 2015, it was the old stadium and I, I got a chance to feel that love from SAS. We were 0 and 9 and I think we got our first win at Labor Day. And I don't know, I won a great cup now. It felt like we won a great cup, Dan. It was our first win of the year. So I know what I'm stepping into, and I'm excited.
0: Yeah, I, you were one of those guys who had to wait a little bit. Naaman Roosevelt was the other, and I was thinking, oh, man, next season maybe bring back your Marcus Hardrick. But, of course, uh, things led to another. You have two Grey cups with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. What you have learned in Winnipeg over the last couple of years so, so much is made about the culture there. How much is that culture theirs? And the riders can't just say, Hey, Jamarcus, how do we build culture? How much do you guys just have to make it yourselves for a new culture in the room here in Saskatchewan?
1: Uh, I answer the first part. First, then you know, I come to the second. But in Winnipeg, the culture thing is real. It's from the top down, it's from the people in the ticket office, it's from the equipment staff, from the players. Everyone there with one goal, and it was. I have no, not one bad thing to say about Winnipeg, and I just had a great time there. Everyone there had one goal. We didn't look at the results. We didn't look up at the scoreboard. We wanted to work hard every day, and when you played us, no matter if you won or lost, you know you had just played us. And it, and from that, from doing that for years and years and winning day in and day out, the success started to show later, and I was glad to be there. And they was patient with us and patient with ocean, patient with a lot of guys on their team and it paid off and and for as far as it happening in SAS, I won't I can be a part of it and I'm excited, man. We got a lot of great men there from the guys they signed and the guys they have there. Man, we just have to all make this thing one thing, man. I know a lot of us have a different background, different story. We have to put our ego away, put our past away, let's make this thing about us and just build it day by day. We're trying to do that right now. We're already texting. We're already getting to know each other as much as we can, as much as we can over the phone and text. And when we get there, it's about building that bond, getting to know each other, see what makes what, see what see makes someone tick, what doesn't make them tick. Starting to love on guys, so, showing that you care. More than talking about it, Just we need to just be about it. And I think the more we be about it and be great men and do things the right way, I don't know when it'll happen, but things will start turning around.
0: JerMarcus Hardrick joining us signed in free agency by the Rough Riders coming over from the Blue Bombers. Uh, AJ Olette talked about you saying you were texting back and forth. I want to go where you go. He wanted you wanted to go where you were going. You signed first. Uh, where did that relationship develop with AJ Olette? Now you're the guy you'll be blocking for in the run game.
1: Oh, uh, I say it was after Christmas after I had talked to my agent and I I had a feeling that I was going to the one And I started reading um, CFL things, started seeing guys who was going to the window. And I probably messaged 10 to 15 guys. Uh, Probably went to their private, didn't get a lot of response. But AJ was one of those guys who responded. One of those guys I respected on film, one of those guys I was seeing that was getting a lot of of attention, which he should. He's earned that. And uh, I sent him a message, and we messaged back and forth. And it's just been one of those guys that's just working our way. I kind of signed before him. I actually didn't even wait. I heard him. I think I watched his show, and I heard him say that. But it's just been great building that relationship with AJ. We're already texting, talking to Trevor. It just it just feels like a good decision for me and my family.
0: What are you getting to know about uh, Trevor Harris, uh, the 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 KG veteran, on what he wants to see from this football team and what he learned from last year? Of course, unfortunately hurt, but uh, what do you see from the leader uh, in the huddle already from Trevor Harris?
1: I just see him being vulnerable because this is new offense with us. He's uh, he's not he. When I talk to him, he's he's getting to know the playbook, wanting to get together, talk on the playbook. He's not acting like he know it all. I don't I didn't expect that from him anyway. But he just he just was vulnerable, but vulnerable, telling me the things I need to hear, telling me about the family, just want to get better, I want to get in this playbook, and want to get this family tight as we can get it before we get there. And those are all the things I stand for. You can tell there have been guys who have won championships there, guys who have played at a high level, because I had like 12 or so notes I wrote down. And every guy I talked to before I even get to my notes, they already said everything I'm saying. So I feel like we've got a good group of guys coming together, and we just got to put it on film, man.
0: The way you play, you're, you are a high energy football player um, with, of course, a lot of physicality, uh, especially in uh the run game of coming over from winnipeg has it have you always played that way have you always been that way as a kid growing up in Cortland, mississippi
1: man i've always been that way i used to get in trouble in high school because i was just a big guy on the o-line or playing tight end and it could be a 5 yard run. and i feel like i had a good block now that i look back on it, it was selfish and wasn't one part of the team it was all it was a little bit more about me but I wasn't making it about that. If I made a good block, I couldn't control I worked all week trying to make that block. I went to sleep that week thinking about pancake block. i always been a guy running after the ball, chasing the ball. It was just my release coming from a small town of 300 people from everyone lives in trailer football was like football was their release. I can go out here. I can be rough. I can't do this in the classroom. Um, the older you get, you can start saying things on the field. And it was just one of those things that, I started finding myself in but I always been a guy I used to get in trouble for class clowning and all that. So a little a little bit of it is class clowning, always making the jokes, always having fun, always dancing. Just a part of me, but it took me to become a pro and get getting cut five or six times to know it's a time and a place. So I'm not perfect. I know we're in a passing league, we go against great defense in the end, so I'm not perfect. So I try to make up for it in the run game and uh I'm just looking for the guys to have my back and I'm going to have their back. And yeah, man, we just, we just got to get our mentality right, get everything right. I'm excited, man. Just talking to Mace, talking to J.O., guys that have wanted, guys that have been in a high level, how they want to run meetings, the input they're getting from guys, just making an open line of communication. That stuff really matters. After I won, I didn't know it when I was a younger guy, but going to fourth grade Gay Cups, being able to walk in there and talk and give their ideas and bounce off deals. No secrets, and just being able to talk that stuff goes a long way.
0: From where you were, you talked about Cortland, Mississippi, uh, living in a in a trailer park. How hard was the fight to become a Grey Cup champion, professional football player? Even going through JUCO before you got your chance in college college ball.
1: Yeah, I I don't. it's, It's weird to say. I don't think anything in football can break me. Just growing up, like growing up the way I did. I didn't even know that things were bad or things were looked at as poor where I'm from until I went to college. I thought everybody grew up like that. I thought everyone grew up in a trailer park. Everyone bore water to take their baths. I thought everyone shared clothes. I thought everyone had 16 siblings. I'm from a small town, so it was only nine last names, so everyone has a lot of siblings. Everyone has a lot of kids. I thought that was normal. Then I got to college, and I seen, like, oh, every time I tell a story, people act like I'm... Making things up or putting it like this. So when social media came around, I was every time I went home, I showed to so, so, uh, showed people how I was, where I was from, and that I'm really from the sticks and from the country. And now that I couldn't play football, I don't I don't feel like anything that can happen in football can break my mentality or just put me in a bad mood. I know, I know I want to be better. I don't like my bad things happen, but I always think back to. Choosing between lights and water and things like that, or seeing my mom struggle, or anybody down there struggle. It didn't look like struggle to me, cause I was a kid outside having fun. I always ate, I always had something to do. Uh, when video games came out, we went to Blockbuster and got them. So I always, I just had a regular normal life that I thought.
0: Well, your nickname's Yoshi. Was it? Was that because you were uh, a great gamer with the uh, like Nintendo or what?
1: No, I actually, I went to Boys and Girls Club, and one of my best friends' name was Mario. And fast forward to the story, we was there for about a year or two, found out I had the same dad as Mario. But every time they seen Mario, they said, here comes his little brother, Yoshi. And uh, I hated it for a little bit, and I found out I was his brother. Then once the football coaches found, because Mario was two years older than me, once he played football, they saw his little brother, Yoshi. Once the football coaches started calling Yoshi, you're Yoshi to the teacher's to everyone especially in a small town and it's, and i've been yoshi ever since and uh yeah especially my football name now that you know, i'm getting older and i'm doing more resumes and trying to be out more than community try to use Jamarcus as much as i can but i don't have a problem with anyone calling me yoshi or Jamarcus, or anything
0: well now you're wearing green so it all's coming together uh Jamarcus, uh with uh the color green and yoshi but uh we need to get you together with our game day analyst, our game day analyst, his name is Belton Johnson. He went to Ole Miss. He's from Coffeeville, Mississippi, about a half an hour's drive from where you're from. I can imagine the stories you two could share growing up in the country in northern Mississippi.
1: Oh, yeah, I've heard your name. I know I kept up with Ole Miss growing up. I'm only 10 minutes, 20 minutes from Ole Miss growing up, so Ole Miss was my life. And I always kept up with the big man. Uh, uh, I used to follow him on Twitter, I think. When I was a when I when I was old old fast, but yeah, I know the name. I'm excited to meet him. I love to see a country boy who makes it out of makes it out of that environment and gets to the big city.
0: That is Jamarcus Hardrick, offensive lineman of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders Now, after picking him up in a free agent from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and he will be a big piece uh, to improving the offensive line in Saskatchewan. And you hear what he's all about. And it's another move. And what Corey May said, I want great men who are great football players. And it sounds like they got one in Jermarcus Hardrick from the Blue Bombers. More coming up here on the Green Zone, including a chat with the new head coach of the Saskatchewan Rattlers, Larry Abney, who spent some time in the NBA working with Doc Rivers with the Clippers. This is 980-CJME and (laughs) 650-CKOM. Jamie Knight with you here on the Green Zone on a Wednesday afternoon. Thanks to Jamarcus Hardrick uh, for joining us here on the Green Zone. It is definitely a different era in Saskatchewan with Corey Mace. Another player who said Corey Mace was a big reason in talking on his vision and what he wants to see and how he wants to run the Riders as the head coach has convinced a lot of players. Jameer Thurman, A.J. Ouellette, Jamarcus Hardrick, Malik Carney. But I appreciate that Jamarcus Hardrick said one thing about leaving Winnipeg for Saskatchewan. First things first, yeah, it had to do with the money. I I appreciate that type of honesty. Rather rather than all the other fluff and stuff, it just comes down to brass tacks, doesn't it? They were paying me what I thought I was worth. But he would have stayed in Winnipeg if he didn't believe in what Corey Mace and everything else was selling. But we'll see uh, how it works out with the new offensive line. Orion Sevier signed as well to try to improve that group to protect Trevor Harris. Jamie and I with you here on the Green Zone on this Wednesday night. Uh, We'll have more on this story that's uh, coming in this afternoon. Uh, The Canadian Soccer Players Association, representing the Canadian women's team, has filed a $40 million lawsuit against 15 current and former board members of Canada soccer, alleging negligence and breach of duty. So... At the heart of the lawsuit is the agreement Canada Soccer had signed with Canadian Soccer Business. Um, so, yeah, well, Tom Mayanek's on tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk to Tom, our sport business analyst, on this one. $40 million lawsuit uh, got from the Women's or the Canadian Soccer Players Association uh, against Canada Soccer. Uh, But right now we're going to get to know the new head coach of the Saskatchewan Rattlers a little better. He was announced as the new bench boss. Larry Abney uh, joining us uh, here on the Green Zone. Larry, thanks for your time.
2: Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Of course, uh, I I need to know about your journey because it has been – you have put on some air miles, Larry. Let's just put it that way in your career from Argentina, Venezuela, uh, Chile, France, Korea – um now to canada uh as a player and you will get to relate i think more so than anybody with the players that will be coming to canada to play in the cebl um what does it take to have the passion for the game to be the to have the journey you have had in your playing career before your coaching career
2: man to, to speak on it it's 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 definitely a, a love that's developed Yeah, i mean um I started playing at a young age and um, I got to play at a very high level at university in, in, in America. We were a top 10 uh, school. I played for one, one of the winningest coaches of all time and Jerry Tarkanian. And after, you know, college was done, I definitely didn't want to play. I had an opportunity to make it a living. Um, it was something I loved to do and to be truthful. Uh, like every kid's dream who plays the game, they want to go to the NBA. Um, my story didn't quite turn out like that right away. I had some opportunities Short stint with Boston, Denver, and Dallas. But um, I did get an opportunity to play overseas. Like you mentioned, I played five years in Australia, two years in France, Argentina, Holland, Korea, um, Ukraine, Syria, uh, among other places. But um, I just wanted to continue to play. I love to play. And so um, I gave it all I got. And now I'm getting the opportunity to give back to it, to the game that gave me so much.
0: So... With with coaching now a group of players like yourself continuing their pro basketball journey, how do you build a team, with a team and a culture that there's interchanging parts? These rosters change over a lot from year to year. How do you make that a, a winning group?
2: Well, it's by committee. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Barry has done a great job in uh, selecting, you know, uh, the staff and and and. You know, we're doing right now, we're uh, selecting the players that come in. We're looking for high character guys that want to play the game, who love the game. And when you do, like, like you spoke on, it's about building a culture. And regardless of who comes into that culture, um, they become a part of that culture. And so it's not about the players that come in. It's about them assimilating to that culture. And it's going to be a winning culture. And that's uh, a hard playing culture. And that's something that, um, I think they all want to be a part of. And as long as we have a common goal, then it'll be easy.
0: You've been able to work with uh, some great people. Uh, you mentioned uh, your coach in college. You worked with Doc Rivers. What have you learned about coaching, about teaching uh, from those people that you can bring to Saskatchewan with the Rattlers?
2: Well, one thing that I learned is regardless of how good a coach you are, the players matter. <laughs> um you know, having a, a great group of guys that are out there that can play the game, that are that are willing to play the game, that um, that want to learn, that want to get better, is most important. Um, like you said, I got to, you know, study under Doc Rivers, under Ty Lue, um, some under other greats, uh, Sam Cassell. I mean, I can go on with the names of guys who I've been able to to learn from. Um, and again, it's just about, like you said, assimilating that uh, that culture and bringing in guys that want to play and. Uh, being ready to, to face each journey each night, game by game.
0: We're talking to Larry Abney, the new head coach of the Saskatchewan Rattlers, uh, here on the Green Zone, of course, in the CEBL. Uh, your journey has also uh, been through the NBA and the G League, a little bit of as a development coach. How much of that aspect of being a development coach can you help these athletes in the CEBL with the Saskatchewan Rattlers, and what are some of those skill sets you bring?
2: That's first and foremost. Like I, I'm, I love the I love the idea of being a player development coach because it's not just developing these guys on the court, but it's developing them off, uh, developing off the court as well. Having a mentor, uh, being a mentor, being in that mentor role is super important to me. Like you said, there will be some guys coming in who have dreams of going um, to other places making more money than they make in uh Recebo uh playing on bigger stages. And my goal will be helping to get to that to that place. Um teaching in the game. Um uh also it'll be guys who are uh just very young from Canada that wanna know exactly what it's like to play in the States and so hopefully I'll have the opportunity to like help them achieve that dream. Um again just being a part of the pro game uh here in the States and also Having the career I had uh, overseas, I think I have a little bit of uh, uh, both ways—the FIBA basketball and the American basketball—behind me to, to, to help these guys achieve whatever they're trying to achieve.
0: All right, we, we can geek out over your career a little bit here on the Green Zone. I think, like, you, I imagine some of the young basketball players will ask similar questions that I, I can ask, like, "What's you know Russell Westbrook like, or James Harden, and <laughs> what's it like dealing with?" Like These are big-time superstar athletes, um, and they have the persona of their entourages and everything else, but to be a pro and be the best of the best, what do people not see behind the scenes that make the greatest the greatest? The,
2: day-to- the, the, the day-to-day grind, the, the work they put in when the lights are off. Like um, Obviously, uh, big shots are made, and when you watch highlights and you watch ESPN and you 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 watch um now the kids looking at Instagram and, and, and Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, um, and they see all the shots that go in, but they don't see the shots that's missed. They don't see the day-to-day grind, the, the hours that's put in. You take a Kawhi Lennon, for example. This guy's in the gym two, three hours before practice and an hour and a half after practice. It's a lot of work that goes into being the best, and that's something, like you said, like you asked earlier, that I think I can bring to them is showing them that, you know, how to be a pro, um, it's not just when the lights are on. Like, the work is done when nobody's watching.
0: Okay. Uh, we You went through the, all the places you have gone in your life in basketball. What's the strangest situation you found yourself in internationally, learning a new culture, maybe eating a different type of food that you've <laughs> never had before, Larry?
2: Oh, uh, man, which one do I pick from? <laughs> um, I think <laughs> one of the stories that, you know, I think, you know, gets everybody's attention. Uh, you know, like you said, different cultures. Uh, in Korea, you know, people are here in, uh, North America and Canada. We have dogs as pets. and Korea, it's a delicatessen. And I did try it. I wanted to try it. I'm definitely a foodie and I wanted to try anything once. And so that was one of the things I tried. I, I definitely tried dog. I'm not sure what, uh, what breed it was, but, um, <laughs> I gave it a try. Uh, um, Syria. One of the things, uh, that was one of the places I went. Uh, it, was, it was really interesting over there. It was obviously before the chaos. It was a beautiful country, but they did things a little different. Like when they lined up at practice to shoot free throws, like all team guys lined up across the free throw line to shoot at once. <laughs> a little different than what I was used to. But like you said, uh, you know, it's all getting used to their cultures and their way of doing things and learning different, uh, different ways and seeing different views.
0: So uh, how much research do you do? Uh, on a place? Like, how much research do you go? Okay, Saskatchewan wants me to be their head coach. I, I need to dig deeper into where I'm going here. And I don't know how familiar you were with Saskatoon, Saskatchewan before you signed on with the Rattlers.
2: I wasn't very. Um, my wife is from Toronto and her sister lives in Airdrie, uh, over outside of Calgary. So um, I've been to Canada quite a few times. I've never been to Saskatoon. I'm looking forward to being there. But what I have learned uh, mostly about it is their fan base with the football and hockey. And that's the fan base that I'm trying to build uh, in a very short time with their basketball. I played in places that had really strong communities, really strong communities um, behind their sports. And it's probably one of the best places to play. um, When everyone knows who the players are and they have their favorite players and you can go out to the grocery store and everybody knows you, um, it's 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 a fun it's a fun situation to be a part of, especially when you're winning. And so um, definitely looking forward to getting up there and meeting everyone. As uh, soon as I was announced, my Instagram went crazy with messages and inboxes, and people welcoming me there. They say Canada is some of the nicest people in the world, and I'm uh, looking to test out that theory.
0: What type of team uh, should Saskatchewan Rattler fans expect on the uh, floor this year?
2: Definitely a team that plays hard. Um, the offense that I I, I want to run, we open the floor. We let these guys have fun. We let the shooters shoot. The guys that get to the basket get to the basket. Um, High flying entertainment um, and guys that play defense. That's going to be a must if you want to be on the floor with us. Um, that's going to be something that you know everybody can't shoot. Um, you know, fifty percent from three, but everybody can put effort in, and that's going to be something that our coaching staff demands and something that the fans will see night in and night out.
0: Well, Larry, it's uh, nice to get to know you a little better, and welcome to Saskatchewan.
2: I'm so looking forward to getting up there and getting started. It's going to be a fun season.
0: That is Larry Abney, the new head coach of the Saskatchewan Rattlers of the C-E-B-L. And, yeah, uh, his list of journeys is a long one uh, that has allowed him to land as the head coach. Of the Saskatchewan Rattlers uh, coach, Associate coach in the G League Coach with the Clippers as a player development coach As you heard And now with the uh, Saskatchewan Rattlers Coming up next Champs and Chumps on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM Winners, big winners I think you're shagadelic baby You're switched on, you smashing You tried your best And you failed miserably The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning You're an idiot God, You're a bad person Each and every day, one champ and one chump here on the Green Zone. And I hate to dive into this. I really do, because I think it is such a petty thing. But you have to chump fanatics for the new baseball jerseys. This You do. You, now you look at more and more of the photos coming out. The pants are see-through in some of the situations with the fanatics taking over the manufacturing of Major League Baseball jerseys. And here's the thing. They're going to manufacture the NHL jerseys next year. So just wait for it on what we're going to see because these baseball jerseys look like a joke. There is your uh, chump. He is fanatics. And their jersey designs for Major League Baseball. The champ is Kansas City Chiefs kicker Harrison Butker. Uh, Lisa Lopez Galvin was the mother of two who was killed in last week's shooting during the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. But there was a request from the family on X asking for help in finding a Harrison Butker Chiefs jersey. It was the same kind that Lopez Galvin was wearing that day in Kansas City. And all of a sudden, Harrison Butker caught wind of this and posted a lengthy note uh, to the family on how he is feeling. Also, Butker's gesture comes after a GoFundMe set up for Lopez-Galvin family surpassed $375,000, including in the money raised, of course, is that $100,000 donation from... Taylor Swift, as well as $50,000 from the Mahomes family. And, of course, Harrison Butker made sure to deliver that white jersey of his to the Lisa Lopez Galvin family as the Chiefs' kingdom, as they call it, continues to come through for a a family heartbroken on what was supposed to be a day of celebration.